You are now listening to an audio broadcast from First International Christian Fellowship. Get plugged in by visiting our website, ficfreno.com. Father, we thank you for the songs that uh, were sung tonight, Lord God. I pray for your servants there in that ministry, Lord God. May you bless them. May you protect them from any harm or danger. Protect them from the trap of the spotlight, Lord God. Let them be serving you because of their love relationship with you. Lord, as um, as I say that, Lord God, I pray for our hearts, Lord, to be ready. Let the Holy Spirit in all of us, Lord God, give us the clarity of your message tonight. Let you and you alone speak through me, Lord God. Override my preparations, Lord God. And I thank you once again for bringing me back here. Thank you for the healing. Thank you for the privilege to be used by you. And Lord, please don't let me not say anything. Don't not say anything that's not true. Let be your truth and only your truth be said. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so tonight I'm going to give the message I was supposed to give last week, which was uh, the Valentine's message, because we all celebrated Valentine's. Amen. All right, for the husband who didn't, the, the husbands who did that forgot, you probably got in trouble. But praise God, you're here. You're still alive. You made it. <laughs> it was Valentine's. Is always February 14. It always pays to love the wife, a happy wife, happy life. Amen. But that's not our title. Our title is I Love You. I Love You. We're going to be reading from the main verses is uh, 1 John 4, 7, 12. This word got so many people in trouble. A lot of unwanted pregnancies happened because somebody said this and somebody bought in to that. Amen. A lot of divorces happened because somebody did not understand what love truly meant. And they didn't really mean what they were saying. A lot of trouble and heartaches have happened because of this line. I love you. A lot of us mastered saying this, even though without meaning it, because we want something else. A lot of us misunderstood and took lust as love. I love you. A lot of us don't understand or cannot differentiate love. When we say, I love my dog, and you say, I love my wife. Hopefully, your love for your dog and your love for your wife are two different things, correct? Hopefully. Hopefully, you love more, love your wife more than you love your dog, right? <laughs> we're laughing, but sometimes we don't, we don't, we're not smart enough to take that meaning differently, to give it more importance. Some of us true, are very good in saying, I love you. I love my children. I love God. I love my job. But truly do not mean the word love. Human love is nothing but a shadow compared to God's love. Amen? Human love is selfish. You love because you're going to get something or you want something in return. God's love is different. God's love is different. So that's what we're going to focus on tonight. First thing I want to, uh, do you guys remember in 2000? In May 2000, this is the infamous I Love You virus, um, which was invented in the Philippines. The I Love You virus back in May 2000 affected the whole world and caused the U.S. approximately $15 billion in damage. The key to it was people thought that they had a secret admirer. 
So they were quick to open it because the subject line says, I love you. They're like, ooh, who could this be? They open it, and once they open it, the virus goes to their address book. And every, everybody in their address book gets the same email and everybody the same over and over and over again to the point that Pentagon and the CIA had to shut down their computers because it was so effective. It beat the Melissa virus before this one was the one that really caused trouble. So there, that I love you word. We're so quick to hear. We're so quick to say. But this one, we got trapped because somebody knew. Someone knew that if there's a lo- I love you email, you are going to be quick to open it. Just as we are so quick to say, I love God. Do you really love him? Is the question. I love my wife. Do you really love her? When things get tough, do you really mean what you're saying? I love my children. When the challenges happen, do you really mean what you're saying? Do you even know what you said? Do you even know what you said? So this is the other one. The next one is this. Somebody got a text that says, I love you. And the other one says, I-L-Y-2. And there's a gun that says, say it properly. 41% of marriages end up in divorce. 41% of marriages end up in divorce. And do we need to ask the obvious question, did they love each other? Well, they did. I'm pretty sure they said, I love you to each other. Research indicates that one divorce occurs per estimated 13 seconds here in the United States. That's odd. That's on uh that's a phone. And this is, this is 13 seconds here in the United States, ranking our nation six on the global divorce rate scale. Six. Approximately 50% of children in North America will experience parental divorce before the age of 18. Now, the word I love you doesn't mean anything to the majority of this country, right? It's just something to say. Something to say is just, you know, we're used to saying it, we're used to hearing it, and then we're used to being disappointed. Because for some, for some of us, if you tell me you love me, I expect certain things behind that word. And I'm pretty sure you too will have certain expectations when I tell you I love you, correct? But the world, the, lo- the word love has been so watered down and has been used different in many different ways, in many different things, in marketing, that we have lost the real essence of love. Because look at that. 41% of marriages end up in divorce. I gave this example before. I'll give it again. 100 million flights make it. Did you know that 100 million flights, 100 million flights happen from day to day or 100,000 flights from day to day all over the world is happening? That's how many flights happen. But the one thing that you will hear about is a plane crashing. We won't, there's no need to hear about the 100 million, right, that, that made it to their destination. But for the marriages, this is a good forewarning for all of us. That love at many times isn't enough for us to make it through our marriages. Because I'm pretty sure that 41%, most of them sincerely love the other partner. But unfortunately, love is just not good enough. I think that was a song too. So tonight we're going to tackle the love for God and God's love for us. Hopefully we will have a different meaning 
when we realize, when we say, I love God, we're going to have a different interpretation from this point on. And the other thing is that we will learn that because God loved us and the new command that God has given us, that we should love our neighbor. Amen? Amen. Let's begin. In Galatians 5, to 23, it reads, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no such law. The beauty of this passage is, it says, but the fruit, not fruits, but the fruit. And it says, it gives it all these characteristics. It says love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all in one. It's, they're united. They go together. But the first thing that was mentioned is love. Without love, if you don't love if your love is not from the Holy Spirit, your patience will be your patience. And your patience has limits. It's limited. If they say the wrong thing, sit, you're done. Some of us, or many of us here, especially in the Filipino culture, we're very good to be friends. I'm the best friend you'll ever have. But the worst enemy that you can ever dream of. Right? Some of us, we say that, right? Some of us, we live with that. If you're good to me, I'll be the best friend you'll ever have. But if you do me wrong, you should have wished you've never met me. For some of us, we're like that. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit now indwells in you. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit that we're going to be tackling tonight is love. Love. But God's love, Christian love is this. It requires sacrifice. It is costly. It will hurt. Because it's not of you. It's of the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of love we're going to be discussing tonight. But first, we're going to see God's proof of his love to us. Because it says, we love because God loved us first, correct? In this passage in 1 John 4, 9 to 10, it says, In this love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Speaking of Jesus. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins in payment of. Jesus Christ is the expression of God's love in the heart of the gospel. Propitiation means atoning sacrifice, just like it says in John 3.16. And that was so, John 3.16 to 18. In John 3.16 also says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. All right? So there you see that in this love God made manifest among us, Jesus Christ is the proof of his love to us. If, that, if you have not, I'm looking around the room, most of us have accepted Christ as our Lord. So that is God's love for you. Amen? But God shows in Romans 5, 8, 10, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Now, that's the kind of love that God showed us through Jesus. And at the same time, this surpasses any kind of human love. Human love is you do me right and I'll do you right. Scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Right? If I need something from you, I'll make sure that I'm going to do everything to please you. But here, Jesus died for us while we were his enemies. How many in this room have made that sacrifice for their enemy? Right. If you raise your hand, you're lying. Because human nature is we're only good to people who are good to us. Correct? It's a reward system. It's a ben There's a benefit. There has to be a benefit. It's an exchange. It's better than the New York exchange, stock exchange. We're always just wanting to be nice to the ones that are nice to us. But here, Jesus shows his love. God's proof of his love is Jesus. And he shows us that despite that we were his enemies, he still died for us. For when we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Bible scholars consider this section of the scripture, Romans 5, 8 to 10, a central exposition of God's love for mankind. This is John 3.16 expanded and expounded upon. Love manifested through Jesus being sent to be a human being to be the payment for our sins. So we will be adopted to be God's children. That's the other thing that we should be amazed with. That's the thing that we need to wrap our minds around. Not just we were forgiven of our sins, but we were adopted to the family of Christ, of God. Doesn't that amaze you? Doesn't that blow your mind? It does for me. Because I look at myself and I don't see anything special. I see, I remember all the dirt and the, the dirt that I could still do. But yet despite that, God loved me enough to die for me and for me to be adopted to their family. Do you when I was growing up, I always have those friends who I envy. You know, I envy their him because of their of him having the kind of family that he they do that they have. Because my my dad was here in the states and we were never a complete family, and I always envied my fam my my friends who has a had a complete family had their dad and their mom, and then when we get in trouble, the parents are always quick to defend for their family, for their children. I envied those people. To a point that I, I love being at their house, you know, because in, in a way I feel like I'm a part of their family. But the truth, the truth is I was never part of their family. I just enjoyed their company. But here, we were adopted to be God's children to what God, because Jesus died on the cross for us. Because of his love for us while we were his enemies. That's God's love. That's the kind of love we need to remember we received. Folks, you weren't good enough for God to die for you. It's actually the opposite. We were all that bad. And in order for us to be with him, Jesus had to come down and be the sacrifice and the payment for our sins. That's the love that God has showered upon us. For those of us who have accepted that gift, that's the kind of love. 
That's the amazing grace. That's the amazing love that God has given us. We need to be reminded of this all the time. Because the trap for us Christians, there's a trap. If you've been walking the straight and narrow for a long time, and you think you've been living a holy life, the trap is self-righteousness. The fault becomes self-righteousness. That's where we fall. We think we're so high and mighty and we're perfect that we become the Pharisees in Jesus' time. But we need to be always be reminding ourselves that the love that God showed us and the, the, the gift and the benefits behind that is because we didn't deserve it. It's just because He wanted to. Amen? So that's the first point. <laughs> For our response to God's love. See, the new covenant, I know Brother Richard tackled the new covenant last week. So the new covenant, the new thing for us, now that Jesus did that for us and we accepted him, is we have to, we respond. It, when we obey Christ, when we do what he told us, when we do what is pleasing in his eyes, is because if it's our response of our love relationship with him. It's a response. It's not a duty. It's a response. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. John 3.16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. First John 3.16 says, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Because of what Jesus did, in response to that, we have to lay our lives for others. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Amen? We have to love one another. Granted that we are not perfect. Who here is perfect? If we, granted, we are not perfect. By most of us, there's been, a there's been trouble with the church. Uh, not this church specifically. We had our troubles here too. But the church in America particularly has been losing people. People have been stopping. Don't, they've stopped going to church. Because those people who stopped going to church, they said that there is so much hypocrisy in the church. They made the decision and they make the statement that they don't like the church because of the people that are in it. The thing with those people that made the statement and left the church, they have forgotten who they are. They forgot to look in the mirror. Because if you are good to say they're hypocrites, what about you? Are you perfect? No, you're not. It's just like seeing how a sausage is made. Have you guys seen that? It's not a pretty picture. When hot dogs and sausages are made, you lose your appetite. You're like, I don't want to eat that anymore until you see it in the grill. You're like, man, that looks good. I want to have one or two. Church is messy. It's flawed. 
It's disappointing and at times deeply hurtful. Largely because people are messy. Because church is made out of people. People that are saved by grace. Amen? People are messy, disappointing, and deeply hurtful. And we live on this side of heaven. Hurt, unresolved, breeds cynicism. And there are so many cynical former church attenders and also leaders who simply haven't addressed their unresolved issues. Part of maturity, and we've been talking about a lot about spiritual maturity in our Bible studies and as we've been going through the series, the series of our, our preachings here, we have been challenging, just as Paul has been challenged or challenged the church, is to mature. And part of spiritual maturity is that we will be able to resolve this. Part of maturity involves realizing that I contribute to messy sausage making. I, you, us, we're part of that problem. And so is almost every leader, every member who has abandoned church. Jesus never said we would be known for our perfection. But he did say we would be known by our love for each other. Right? Love owns my share. Love forgives. Love says I'm sorry. Love reconciles. Love works toward a better tomorrow. Love sees who you really are and stays anyway. Is that the love you want? Amid your imperfection, that's the kind of partner you want in life. That amid your imperfections, they will stay because they love even that. And same with the church. Same in this church. When we say we love God, we're supposed to love each other too. Even amidst of our imperfections. You know, we've lost the why. If you don't love God, then you can do whatever you want. In Christianity, if you don't love God, then do whatever you want. But if you love God, if you love God, your life should reflect that. Because Christian love is sacrificial. That's why Christian life is impossible. Because who wants to sacrifice? Who wants that sacrifice? The, the sacrifice that the Villanuevas did during the whole time with Jonas, with their nephew, when he was going through um, what he went through with his cancer. I'm looking around the room here. None of us really stayed there as long as Tita Marcy and Tita Orly and Mikey. Because their love for Jonas surpasses all our love for Jonas. Because not only are they in love with him, but they're family. So there's a deeper connection. But for us, we're believers. We're Christians. We're in the family of God. So our love for each other should also surpass our human love for each other. Do we agree? Again, when I, ask, when I say human love, that means there's a limit to it. Once they say something wrong, you're done. That's human love. That's why 41% of marriages end up in divorce. 
That's why this country is such a mess, because 50% of the children will experience divorce families. They will have two Christmases and two New Year's and two Thanksgiving, and they think it's nice because they have two gifts and everything, but at the end of the day, they're a mess. Because they lose, they, they lost the ideal family structure. Because somebody wasn't true to their promise. Because their human love stayed as human love. But church, we need to understand that for God so loved us, we need to love each other the same way. Amen? We need to understand that God needed to die on the cross because we're not perfect. The one thing that changed, I like this, Brother Richard told me. The one thing that changed when somebody accepts Christ is that they're saved. Everything about them remains. Everything that's bad about them, it's still there. Everything that's negative about them is still there. They're still the same bad person. They just got saved. So we need to understand this. And we need to be loving because we have to remember how God loved us. How unloving we are in God's eyes. And even in people's eyes. But because of God's grace and his mercy, it changed. So here... This is how we know what love is, right? So Jesus died, so we also need to lay down ourselves for others. As Jesus exemplified, love always involves sacrifice. That's an unpopular word these days. Sometimes even unto death. Claiming to love others is easy. Claiming to love others is easy. Just like claiming as you are a Christian is easy. But true love translates into actions. Please turn your Bibles to James chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. James is in the New Testament. It is after Hebrews and before... <laughs> it is before Revelation, but it's also before 1 Peter. <laughs> I know, right? How do you like that? A sarcastic pastor. <laughs> as, if, as you are in James, read silently with me as I will read Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7. Deuteronomy reads, Generosity to the poor. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates into you, in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. James reads, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you did not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith it by itself, if, does not, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. Same with our, when we say we love God, there has to be an action behind that. When we say we love God, we have to be loving our brothers and sisters too. We need to be loving our neighbors too. We need to be loving our enemies too. Now, having said that, does it make everybody, you know, uh, good enough to talk to? Say an issue has, you know, this happened to me. Somebody is mad at me and... 
I'm, I'm discerning, I'm praying, I'm trying to discern what I'm going to do. Sometimes the best solution is for me to take myself away from the equation and be praying for that person. Not necessarily going to them and trying to talk to them and let's make, shake our hands and let's make it okay. Sometimes people don't want that. Sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes that works. But the thing is, your heart, it's just you, between you and the Lord, truly knows what's in your heart. So if your heart was to completely not talk to that person because you didn't want to talk to that person because you were spiteful, then that's you. That's your fault. God, will, God sees that. But if, God, if, if your purpose was not to make the issue bigger and you decided to go the other route, there, God, you will have God's blessing. But we have to be loving. Just like faith without works is dead, when we say we love God without action, that's also, that's also dead. Christians who love others are willing to give of themselves in costly ways. John 15, 13 reads, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. My mom always told me, you will know who your friends are when the push comes to shove. You know, if, if, your, if your friend teaches you, you know, she has all these things. If your friend teaches you how, how to gamble, that's not really your friend. And it's true. The people, the real friends, at the end of the day, when things become really difficult, and the ones that sticks with you, those are your real friends. Do we agree? The ones that sends you in trouble are really not your friends. Those are the first ones that will run the other way. But here, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That's Jesus. Jesus did that. And what he tells us is we need to be doing that for our brothers and our sisters. Well, am I asking you to die for me? No. I haven't asked blood from you yet, right? Pastor Charles hasn't asked, has, he hasn't asked blood from us too. But the thing is, that extreme is not being asked for. But the other thing, the forgiveness part. Loving, being loving is also being forgiving. A marriage that works is a forgiving marriage. Do we agree? Amen, amen. Those, those who said amen, they were the ones that are quick to forgive. The ones that were quiet are the ones that always... I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> a working marriage is a forgiving marriage. A working relationship is a forgiving relationship. Knowing the fact that we are not perfect. If we love God, we need to be loving. Equivalent with that love is forgiveness. We love our children who will always make, they will always make mistakes too. We are always to be forgiving. Amen? First John 4.11 Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I don't know how clear, how other, what else to say about that. It's so clear. Right? It's so clear. Agape love is a sacrificial love. It doesn't ask for anything. It cannot be, 
or I'm looking for my notes. Sorry. I love notes until I lose where I'm at. <laughs> Proof of our love to God is equivalent is obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. And one of his commands is that, to love one another. If you love him, love, like faith, cannot be separated from obedience. That's what I'm seeing here. You see the same thing? If you love God, you should be obedient to his commands. And the command that we're talking about tonight is that we love each other. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Right? You're supposed to love. Wives, submit to your husbands. <laughs> Women are more bold, I'm finding. <laughs> James 2.26 reads, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Love, if you love God, you be you should be obeying Him. So if you're having a hard time obeying His commands, you have a love relationship problem. It's as simple as that, correct? If we're having a hard time forgiving our children, we have a love relationship problem. If we're having a hard time forgiving our spouse, we have a love relationship problem. We have a love relationship problem. If our if we have a problem with people down here, because we have a love relationship problem here with God. Don't kid yourself. If your relationship is not enough, Lord, your relationship down here will not work. It will for a little while. But that little while will come and go quicker than you think. Because your patience is not there. You're not forgiving. You're not sincere. You're lying about something. And you think they're doing the same thing. You're critical about them because you're forgetting who you are. If you think you're perfect, that's when you become critical of others. For the mature believers, that's our downfall. Is we become critical of others because we think, well, how come they can make it? I made it. How come they can't be consistent? I'm consistent. Once you start comparing yourselves and you're putting the other people down, that's pride. You're committing the sin of pride. How about love? We have to understand that God loved us. That's why we love him. In return, and in response, is we obey his commands. First John 5 1 2 reads, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commands. This verse shows two important truths. First, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, he is born of God. That's there. And every child of God is proved by their love 
for God and for one another. You cannot love God and hate your brother. Do we agree? That's what it's saying. If a person truly believes in the person of Jesus Christ, he or she will be characterized by love. You will be defined by God's love. This only happens by experiencing spiritual birth that comes from God. Now, if you still find your heart being so hateful of others, maybe, just maybe, you have not truly surrendered your life to Christ. Maybe, just maybe, you have not really accepted Him as your Lord. If you still harbor so much hate in your heart, there's more hate than love. Maybe, just maybe, your conversion wasn't true. It's for you to find out. It's not for me to tell you. It's for you and God to determine if your conversion was real. Because as this ver verse shows us, everyone who believes God will be loved. A believer shows evidence of loving the children of God by keeping God's commands. God's law is a product of his nature and expresses his will for his people. Defying his commands not only offends God, but also corrupts the fabric of reality, society, family, and friendships, and all pay a price when people sin. Remember the statistics I showed you? What happens in a divorced family? Not pretty, right? The children are the number one victims of, of the divorce. And your testimony, if you're a believer, your testimony goes down the drain. There are divorces there that are a product of one person really not wanting to make it work. That's true. But let it not be you who didn't want to make it work. Do we agree? Let it not be you. Let it be you who tried everything, as God knows, as God is your witness, who tried everything to make it work. Because there are victims in that process. The society is going down because the family died. The family values have died. That's why the society has died. There's another school shooting, for crying out loud. With all these laws that they're, they're passing, all these anti-bullying laws that they've been passing, all these this pacifist movies that they've been showing, or shows that have been showing. But still, but still, we see people killing children, killing other children. I don't remember that. I don't remember going through that in high school. I remember solving things with my fist, but then that's it. I become best friends with them afterwards. That's if I won, okay? If I lost, I'd go again. But see, there's that thing, because they don't value life now. As much as love has been watered down, they have watered down life. They have made it to where they're desensitized of killing. Their games are about killing. You have to watch your kids' games. If it's about killing, there's a lot about those, those games that are so gruesome, right? I think I have one. <laughs> but, but the point is, the society, a sin affects everybody. It affects the world. A leader falls, it affects the society. The family fails, the community fails. The community fails, the city fails. City, the state, the state, the nation. Sin is not pretty. 
God doesn't wink at sin. We have to be, we have to know, we have to know that if we love God, we need to be obeying His commands. Because of our love relationship with Him, our response of our love relationship with Him. Not because we want to stay saved. No, it's because of our love relationship with Him. It's so clear here. 1 John 4, 78. Knowing God through love. The third point is love for one another is proof that we know God. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who, is, who loves is born of God and knows God. And he, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Love is the character of God. Hate cannot characterize a true Christian. It cannot. Don't kid yourself. Love is the new nature of a believer. It is a love like God's holy, unconditional, passionate, and sacrificial love. Christians respond to the love of God by loving others. This testifies that we are walking in the light and in the life of God. That's how we Show the world. That's our new nature. We become loving. We don't stay hateful. If you are hateful, if you are spiteful, if you are, ins if you are sensitive or insensitive, you change when you accept Christ. The Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is love. It says here, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is not just loving. He's just not loving. God is love. All that anyone knows about real love is rooted in the character and nature of our almighty God, who is the origin, originator, and orchestrator of all true love. The biblical concept of love means seeking the best for a person while asking nothing in return. Only God can produce that kind of love in a person. Let me repeat. The biblical concept of love means seeking the best for a person while asking nothing in return. Only God can produce that kind of love in a person. Amen? We need to be loving, not vengeful. You know, there was little Johnny started crying. Johnny's four and his sister's two. The mom rushes in hearing Johnny crying. She goes, well, what happened, Johnny? She pulled my hair, pointing to his sister. And then the mom goes, you know what, Johnny? She doesn't know that it hurts, okay? Just forgive her. She walks away, right? Two seconds after, she hears the sister crying. She turns around, she, and then she goes, Johnny, what happened? She knows now, Mom. She knows now. Him pulling her hair. <laughs> she, okay, got it? Okay. <laughs> Some of us, we do the same thing. You do this to me, I'll do that to you. But biblical love is seeking the best for a person while asking nothing in return. 
Seeing God through love. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. In his love, in his love has been perfect, and his love has been perfected in us. No one has ever seen God. Who here has seen God? But we see God through each other. We experience God's love through each other. That's why we need to be loving each other. No matter how imperfect the other is or each other. That's the truth. It will remain like that. It will stay like that. Love for one another is critical to the church's survival. The continuity and the witness of the church. Love is critical. For the world sees God through the lives of his children. Yes, we can say we love God. We can share the gospel. We can do all the talking that we want. You can post everything on Facebook as much as you want that you love God. But if they don't see the change in your life, specifically being loving, being loving to the ones that have made mistakes towards you, they will not see God in your life. For the world sees God through the lives of his children. When real love exists in believers, their loving actions and attitudes make the invincible God visible to the world. Do we agree? Men, Samaritan Purse, that nonprofit organization that is a Christian organization, is quick. They are always first on the scene. And whatever tragedy happens, they're always first on the scene. Now, before you pat yourself on the back because you're also a Christian, you can't. If you don't give them help, you can't take credit for it. <laughs> I'm serious. You can't. Okay? Because some of us, we want to be, you know, we want to enjoy because of uh, association. Oh, the Christian church is there. They're helping. But not me. They already got their money. I'm not going to help. My money stays here. They have a lot of people helping them. Oh, yeah, they're Christians just like me. They're helping there. Your why becomes different. If you truly love God, you become loving of others. But that love sometimes hits your pocket. Whether we like it. But Samaritan Purse is one organization that shows the world that Christians are loving. During the Black Plague, it is documented that people... A lot of people were running away from those people who were sick. But the Christians, the Christians were going there. They were going. They were helping. They didn't care if they were going to die because they knew where they were going. Do we agree? Yes. Those are real Christians. Those are real Christians because they have compassion. And their compassion and their love drove them to move. Some of us were just good to, like, press the like button. It's so touching. Like. Cry, Lord, help them. Like, share. We're so good. That's it. That's all you do. And then you, you come to church and you say, you know, we need to help China and give Bibles to China. We need to help the Philippines and the churches there in the Philippines. We need Bibles. We need to help them. I propose that the church gives $500 per month to these organizations. But you yourself, you're not doing anything. You just told us to do something. But you yourself, you didn't want to do it. 
Oh, the church has 30000 in the bank. What are we going to do with that money? Our love has to drive us into action. Amen? Our love has to into action. You love your children. They're struggling. What do you do? You help them. Not just by words, but with action too, correct? If, you're, if your answer is no, then you're a bad parent. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> you can't just send that text, Anak, hopefully things will be better for you. But you don't help. There's help that you need to be doing. Correct? All right, maybe I'll stop. Getting in trouble here with parents. His command and love for one another. This is how we end. This is where we end. Hopefully, the biblical concept of love has been clear to you and to me. That if we have God, we become loving. And if we love God and we say we love God, we love, we have to love each other. And that love for each other moves us because that is Jesus' command. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus' final command to his disciples echoes what he demonstrated in washing their feet. Do you remember that? When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, Hey, this is not just any simple washing of feet, okay? You, when you go home tonight, you take your shoes off, you, whatever dirt that's in there, you multiply that by a hundred. Because the roads before and their shoes or their sandals before are not what we have now. Their feet was dirty. And that work was for the lowest of the low in the household. But Jesus, the Son of God, Humbled himself, washed his disciples' feet. But word to God, how about us? We should follow God's example, Jesus' example, his humility, his service, his love. We need to translate that. We need to transfer that to one another. Amen? Because the world sees us. By this, they will know that you are my disciples. In 1 Timothy 1.13, Paul says, uh, wrote, writes Timothy here, Although I was, a formerly, uh, was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did, did it ignorantly in unbelief. Paul's understanding of how Christ had dealt with him in, is the secret behind his determination to love and to serve others. I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. In other words, no matter how badly others may have treated Paul, they could never have treated him with the same degree of spite and hatred with which he had treated Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus met him in the Damascus street? Jesus said, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because Every time Paul was persecuting the Christians, he was persecuting Jesus. Every time we insult each other or other Christians, we are insulting, we are hurting, we are hating Jesus too. Let me just tell you that. 
Because that's what Jesus told Paul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So Paul knew this. Paul knew that no matter how much people hated him, remember he went through a lot of troubles. We've discussed this. We had one Sunday discussing all the troubles he went through. But he says nothing, none of that compares on how he treated Jesus Christ. He was good to remember who he was before he accepted Christ. Once we realize that Jesus has loved us and served us, even to the depths of our meagerness, our selfishness, and our sin, nothing we encounter from others will be able to exhaust our determination to serve and to love others for Christ's sake. Amen? That's too long for me to repeat. <laughs> Hopefully you were listening. <laughs> we have to give the love that we lovingly accept from God. We have to give the forgiveness that we are more than willing to receive day in and day out to others as well. Amen? Let's close in prayer. With your heads bowed, I want to read this one. Human love is but a shadow painted by selfishness. At the heart of this highest kind of love is the concept of sacrifice. Agape love gives itself completely with no thought of anything in return. It is the reasoning, esteeming, willful type of love. That's why David Jeremiah. Lord, we thank you for your message tonight. Father, we pray that the type of love that you've given us, Lord, will be able to give to each other. We'll be able to show the world what kind of love that you have given to us. In order for them to be attracted to you, to our faith. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we've been selfish. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we failed you. We failed our testimony. We shamed your name. Father, help us, Lord, for those of us who are harboring hatred. Father, help us to let go of it. To let go of the bitterness, Lord God, that we carry. We lift it up to you, Father God. Lord, protect us from the attacks of the enemy that is that loves to destroy our unity. Father, guide us, Lord. May our love for each other be true. To the truest form. Just like how you loved us, Lord God. A sacrificial love. A love that wants nothing in return, but for the best of the other person. We thank you for everything that you have done for us. We thank you for your message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That was a message from First International. You can access more by visiting our Facebook page, facebook.com slash FICF Reno. 